tuning into Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. I'm talking today to Shubham Singh, the founder and CEO of Craft. Here is how I would like to introduce Shubham. He says, reduce, recycle, reuse is no longer enough. We have to put waste to work. He wants to see a world with tree free products so that the dependence is only on living trees and not cutting them. His company's vision is zero inorganic waste and mind you, it is not as a company goal, but for the environment as a whole. That is one of the most audacious visions I have come across. His surgeons in different parts of India, particularly the North, gave him an insight into the insurmountable problem of waste and then started the journey of his company Craft, which has set up a proprietary process for separating the three main components from crop waste, which are cellulose, lignin, and hemicellulose. You can find more on him and his work at craft.co. Today, let's hear from Shubham, the story behind the story. Welcome Shubham to Small Big Wins. Thank you so much, Harsh, for inviting me today. Shubham, what parts of what you are today, the way you see life today, what you have done is influenced by the way you grew up? Yeah, definitely. I think how we grow up and the environment around us, it influences a lot on our on our journey ahead in our life. So I have also had a lot of experiences and not a lot of incidents small here and there. One of the incidents that I would want to share is when I was 19. And that time um, I was in first year of college and I thought that I'll organize a small village camp in a village in Madhya Pradesh near Chambal. So Chambal is very famous and it's also one of the backward areas where education still doesn't reach us to all. I, I organized this camp where the focus was more on environment and health awareness. And so that was my first immersion visits in a village settings where when we went there, we saw things and that entire experience, I would say just changed my life. Because when I saw that how these, these things are in the village, it was shocking because we are used to technology, we are used to modern world. And in a village, it's a totally different environment. There is not even 24 into 7 electricity. So for me, it was more an incident which made me realize that I have to work for the society. I have to work for the upliftment of the people. And especially in the rural settings. The second incident was a triggering moment in my life was when my niece was born. And she was born in New Delhi, one of the most polluted cities in the world. And it was the time during December when the government of Delhi had also declared a health emergency. And uh, so my cousin, she decided to buy an air purifier. And that was the incident which made uh, me realize uh, about the world we are uh, living in and the world we are leaving it for our coming generations. First, we had polluted our water and we are, uh, you know, we are having aqua guards in each and every household. And now we are polluting our air and now also we are not realizing the effects of uh, climate change and the pollution. Both these incidents about my village immersions and the birth of my niece were, were two of the very significant moments in my life, which helped me to shape and work towards the vision of Craft, where we want to uh, create uh, sustainable products, greener products out of crop waste. Why did you choose Chambal 
I am from Chambal. That's one of the reasons. I was born and brought up in a small town, Morena, and uh, which is very famous again because of the Chambal revines. And I, I'm sure you would have seen the movies like Pan Singh Tomar. <laughs> yeah. So that's the area, and there is a lot of scope of development there. It's still because of the decoys, development has not reached there, and still one of the most backwards area in the country. And did you also study in Madhya Pradesh in Gwalior? Yeah. I did my uh, schooling from Gwalior till 12th and after that for my college and higher education I moved outside all right I understand apart from these two incidences were there any incidences in the way you grew up which influenced you that yes I want to work for the society yeah even during my school years as well I I have been uh, very proactive in my school's eco club so I was one of the members of eco club and so my school the name is little angels high school in gwalior and it's run on on bahai principles so we were given a lot of knowledge about philosophy and principles and there were a lot of activities uh, other than education which were linked to social work there were visits to blind schools there were visit to orphanages and there were tree plantations now and then so our school eco club was very active in fact and uh, you know it's very important because uh, when you are a kid you look around what is happening and that's how your mindset also becomes so i was greatly influenced by the experience that my school provided and also what our teachers the way our teachers also guided us and uh, no doubt that played a very important role and at my home so my uh, dadi my uh, grandmother she was a school teacher in a government school so sometimes she also used to take me to government school in in morena and so i used to go and interact with the kids there and i also used to uh, teach the kids that was the first time when i got connected with the less privileged children and through that i think that was one more factor which made me start gramiksha which is my non profit organization which focuses mainly on education sector so i think throughout it has been an action packed childhood i would say and even during our holidays whenever our cousins used to visit us me and my sister himansha we we used to teach them we used to play all these you know children games like teacher teacher so that those were our games basically and and then our cousins stopped coming to us they were like oh my god if we go to their places they are they are always teaching us <laughs> even during the vacations so both me and himansha both of us we have we have been very passionate about education and uh, teaching people i would say <laughs> is gramiksha still active your education non profit yes so it's been 10 years now this year in august we will turn 10 and it it has been a long journey so far and we have been able to make a good impact in six cities in india with uh, thousands of uh, young people who have uh, volunteered for us so far and and at what age did you start gramiksha so that was uh, right after my first village visit i was 19 when i started gramiksha okay shubham i think all of us have seen the birth of someone or the other in the family and uh, seen that we have brought air purifiers water filter just so that the health factor inside the home is at its best but we have done that and we have also realized that things are not good that is why we have to buy these things and protect ourselves but we haven't done anything about it so how did you make sure that this inner calling which you got doesn't get suppressed you had a good education you probably had many more opportunities you would have had peer pressure of going in for employment doing a lot of things which could be done much more easily and could give you a much 
maybe a comfortable life at yeah. that point in time how did you keep that inner calling there <laughs> yeah i think that's a very good question because that's what i have uh, you know faced a lot of times in my early career so right after my undergraduation i joined swiss mnc uh, abb and i had a very good life i would say like i for almost 10 months i stayed in a hotel where i had all facilities and i think that was one of the most comfortable faces i've ever had in my life <laughs> and still when i was working in the company i felt that something is missing because whatever i was doing i was not able to connect back to the society and i always felt there is something missing in in my life and i am not able to contribute a lot to my society and i am not even able to use my technological skills to do that and i think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have also faced and experienced in their journeys there is a bug in all of us as it is said for entrepreneurs and that bug may makes us uncomfortable and that bug makes us to step outside our comfort zone and do something <laughs> so that that's what also happened in my first job so i quit my first job after 10 months and i thought that i have to do something in my life with which which also satisfies me and after that i thought that i need more experience technically so i thought i'll go and pursue my masters in chemical engineering and that's when i applied for imperial college london and it was the whole purpose was to build my domain expertise in that area and in my masters also i took up something which was focused on carbon capture and sequestration things were falling in pieces step by step so i got some experience in uh, carbon capture and sequestration and imperial provided a great platform there were so many lectures and guests from united nations even i was uh, there in one of the lectures by stephen hawking that experience in london was uh, really good and so imperial also had this imperial innovations which focuses on uh, student startups so i got myself enrolled so i knew by that time that i have to get into entrepreneurship for sure i have uh, had the taste of job so i also took up my minors at imperial business school in entrepreneurship and business management because that was one area i was an engineer so i got i got into that course so that i could know more about entrepreneurship i and other fundamentals and other technical things which are needed for an entrepreneur so that was also very fruitful so soon after when my masters got over i applied for a fellowship under byrack so byrack is a body under dbt department of biotechnology it was a 18 month long fellowship and there were four people across the country who were selected into this and our focus was waste management and sanitation so i had some idea that okay i have to work on uh, crop waste i have to work on agricultural waste so because it causes air pollution and i used this fellowship as an opportunity to travel to different parts of the country meet farmers other stakeholders and understand the pain points and then come up with a solution i was just traveling to various parts of the country just to learn why is this air pollution problem happening what what are the different waste waste which are there other than crop waste also how it is being managed what are the different technical people technologies available what are the different government initiatives for 6 months i was just learning 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 and learning uh, rather than focusing on creating a startup or creating something so that also helped me a lot to gain confidence and help me gain clarity on what i have to do eventually and then eventually during the fellowship period i registered crast as a company 
and uh, the fellowship also came up with a grant money which allowed us to do some initial prototyping to prove some proof of concept so that journey helped me a lot tremendously and uh, so this was uh, in pune we were based out of venture center which is the technical business incubator which facilitates the fellowship i did my bachelor's in chemical engineering and then and then i went for my masters also in advanced chemical engineering and that's a one field because if i may maybe touch upon it because growing up in north india it's a, it's a mindset that if people are doing engineering they should do either computer science or electronics or electric, electrical engineering two fields other fields i don't know what is wrong with the people here <laughs> but they don't value other kind of engineering but when i when i was pursuing chemical engineering i think that was one of the best decision i ever took in my life because that allowed me to look into different kind of industries manufacturing processes i mentioned about aqua guard i mentioned about air purifier so for chemical engineers everything around you right if you give us raw material and if you tell us this is the final product we can design the process in between that's what the chemical engineers do that experience and that learning in chemical engineering helped me a lot and that is why i decided that i want to gain more expertise in this area and apply for a masters and if, if imperial college it's a very renowned college so it's probably not very easy to get into it how how did you manage that my academic in, throughout my undergrad i think uh, my performance was good i was my university topper gold medalist imperial has high academic requirements so i was able to do that and uh, then i had national and an international paper also published in my undergrad itself so i had demonstrated that from academic side i am fine and then uh, if we look at the extracurricular sides other th- things uh, as i was saying that i i started dramiksha when i was a teenager yeah so that helped me a lot and it's a very nice story and uh, the imperial people also loved it because starting an organization at at such an early stage is not easy like i had so many challenges there was no vision there was no mission we started with an open canvas and you won't believe that i don't know today i am giving this podcast but i was an introvert you mentioned in, in in the very beginning that through the podcast you will discover some of my vulnerabilities so one of them was that i was an introvert and it was very difficult for me to speak i because of gramiksha i was forced to speak because when you are a founder you have no option you have to talk to people <laughs> you can't run an organization without talking through gramiksha it helped me to develop myself like i honestly if today if i look at that have i given a lot to the society i think i have got more in return from the society than what i have given to them in terms of volunteering the kind of skills personal and social skills the kind of community that we have got and and that's the same feedback that uh, many other people in gramiksha also give us and which also brings me back to the point that starting early in your life helps a lot it helps you to become more confident in your life it helps you to become more self aware on what decisions you would want to take it clears the confusion in mind and that's what also happened with me yeah and and how about during this the starting up early doing a lot of other work than academics what kind of support did you get from home from parents in that yeah so my parents thought that i'll fail in my exams <laughs> because i was giving a lot of time to gramiksha and even i was a nerd so even i was like thinking myself that will i will i be able to manage both studies and gramiksha because there were times when my semester and exams were there and there were some problems in 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 cities in gramiksha which i had to address so there was a lot of confusion that how to do it and there were times when i thought that i'll give up 
because after all as a student education was something very important it's the topmost priority and that is the same thing from the parents and the parents also expect that you should uh, focus on your education first but then i thought that giving up is very easily anyone can give up that's the most easy thing to do but then standing and bracing the winds is is something which is accepting the challenge and that's what i also did and what i realized was that you have to be in that pressure cooker in order to get used to that pressure and that's how you also build up as a person and believe me because of all these such small 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 experiences i have been able to multitask a lot in my life and that's what i also suggest to many young people that don't give up find a balance and in early stages especially when you are in school and college you have nothing to lose even if you get 90 to 80% or 70% it's okay <laughs> all the experiences that you get is is what matters a lot so that's also one of my i think advices to young people who would be listening to this podcast right do whatever you want to do whatever satisfies you because ultimately you will excel in what what you feel good about and what you feel satisfied about and eventually when that satisfaction is there things will fall into place for sure it happens automatically because your body and mind are aligned and that is what is important in doing things and uh, now my parents are also happy because after my engineering when i when i topped my college so my parents were also very proud gramiksha also scaled up and this is one thing that a lot of people have asked me throughout my career so parents were the first one then the people my first company were the second one and when i was applying for the fellowship also i was asked this question how will you do the fellowship along with gramiksha so that's a very frequently asked question <laughs> and i'm being used to it since the last 10 years even tomorrow if any investor also asks me how will you manage class along with gramiksha it it happens and again all you need is dedication and everything happens it, it i'm going to ask you something more on gramiksha but before that yeah. if you don't mind i would like to ask you that the london imperial college experience how did you manage it financially yeah i had savings from my first company when i was working with abb that that helped me to uh, fulfill and then my parents also partly supported to carry out my education you have part funded your own education in this yeah way. so i have part funded my my education and i was when i was applying to imperial i was quite late actually uh-huh. because i was still in my company i was sitting at my office desk and i thought i have to go to academia and so i was one of the late i had applied in the very last uh, cycle so that time all the major scholarship deadlines and everything was uh, already uh, over and uh, but i didn't want to waste one more years time applying for the next cycle i i just wanted to get out of uh, the company ecosystem and without losing time get into uh, chemical engineering again and about gramiksha so i think the seeds were laid with your going to government schools and looking at underprivileged children with your grandmom and some other incidents in life along with that but just talk to us a little bit about the last 10 years what kind of impact has gramiksha made where does it stand today yeah so looking at our journey in gramiksha we started with a open canvas we thought that we'll do something in education and we did various various projects we have set up resource centers in gwalior and indore which impacts around 600 children in both the cities and it's a library come teachers training place with all the audio visual aids teacher learning materials and it's an ongoing thing which we do 
and uh, then we did a lot of projects with street kids we got them enrolled into government schools we thought uh, that education is the only way for the children to come out of from poverty so we worked on street meat projects other than that one very significant impact that we have done over the time more than the children i would say because in government schools we target fifth to eighth standard to middle school and getting the quantitative impact is not possible when we look at such young age but when we look at our volunteers i think that is one area where we had impacted the most a lot of people as i was saying like were like me who were introvert they developed a lot of skills a lot of these young people they became self aware some of them uh, have started their own organizations some of them have ventured into development sector some of them uh, are doing incredible things in their life and one very common feedback that we get from um, most of our volunteers is that gramiksha helped them in their college placements especially when they get into the hr interview round they say that their entire hr interview goes into telling gramiksha story because all of them have had such rich experience in terms of the leadership skills that they have developed their team working skills and in an in an organization you have all those kind of hr situations also so that helped a lot of young people the way that we work is that we follow a corporate structure we have hr pr finance marketing and that help these college going students like for example say if, if there is a college student who is a city hr when uh, that person goes to the college placement that person already knows what's the mindset of a hr so that helps a lot and now if i talk about today based on our reflections of 10 years gramiksha is adapting itself we are modifying vision and we are focusing more on young people now so our new vision is focused on mobilizing these young people in the education sector and we want to create more leaders in the society after all india needs more leaders being one of the india's the largest country with youth population so that's one of our, uh, our primary vision now and using these youth as a catalyst to make a change in the society and it could be in any field so that's what we are coming to gramiksha now we have also designed a fellowship program the name is unleashed fellowship where these young people in the first stage will go into understanding the self and and the idea is that before you want to make a difference in the society you have to understand yourself that is very important and in the second stage they will go into immersions to understand the problems and in the third stage of this fellowship they will go into an entrepreneurial training so that whatever problems that they faced in the immersions and whatever experiences they have had they are able to relate their self with the problem and then create a venture so that everything is in sync with with their careers and and the self is very important as i said so that's a new program we are going to introduce in gramiksha this year and gramiksha is run on what kind of funding yeah so it's a very interesting model we run from last 10 years and i'm not sure like i haven't seen any other organization like this because from the last 10 years we have been running on a part time basis we have a lot of professionals who devote their time on a pro bono basis in in our national team and we work on a barter system so <laughs> what i mean by barter system is the exchange happens in terms of skills so the professionals who are in the national team they transfer their skills to the city teams which comprises of the college students and those college students that's the incentive for them and in return they transfer their skills to the less privileged children in the government schools so that's the model and so far we have been running on mainly ground fundraisers i would say Okay. like bake sales or flash mobs or events which has been sufficient for us to run the sengen from the last 10 years so far 
and another thing is that so far we have not paid a single penny we do not have a full time member nobody takes a salary in gramiksha and there are there have been more than 500 active people doing it it's a model of altruism where you are giving back to the society but as i said what you get is more than monetary returns what you get in return is those essential skills which will help you throughout your life very very noble you said only four people were selected for the birag fellowship and how how does that work what was the reason that you were selected for the birag fellowship i think it could be depending on my past background i think that depends on the recruiters and how it works is that when we apply for this fellowship program you have to give a preliminary idea you have to uh, uh, give a small presentation with a preliminary idea that this is what i would potentially would want to work not necessarily but you should have at least some kind of understanding so i had pitched about the crop face project and i think they liked it and it also resonated with my uh, background being a chemical engineer i have worked with biomass before i have worked with materials before so i had expertise to use that material to create something valuable and i think my profile as such has been action packed from a very young age <laughs> i'm not bragging about myself but there are a lot of lot of lot of things that i have done in my college also in at imperial as well it has been a very action packed journey very entertaining journey and and one of the main reason is is the bug that i have in myself i can't say title it's is just i have to do something yeah so that's how i molded my cv and together with my initial idea i think that was the main reason that i got accepted so the seed for crop waste turning crop waste into something or finding a solution for crop waste when did that really happen yeah so that was after my immersions when i finished my immersions uh, in the fellowship so i i started looking into different applications of what can be done with crop waste and what has already been done so for example some people they tried to make biofuel some people they tried to make biogas electricity uh, some people they make pellets and so our mentor at venture center dr premnath he we did these exercises with him where uh, we were made to uh, do these financial exercises from the very starting that whatever we have to do it has to be a financially sustainable model otherwise it's not going to work out so from the very start we did these financial modeling with different applications and something to note was that uh, whatever solutions we do whatever we solutions we create for the farmers it should incentivize them because the main reasons that farmers they they burn the crop residue in the very beginning is because it's not profitable for them it just takes a matchbox for the farmers to burn the fields in the shortest and the fastest way but if we tell the farmers that hey you you can earn money out of it they will have interest in selling this waste and and we notice that in some of the applications like electrifications and even for biofuels the margins are so thin that the farmers they don't want to take so much of labor and effort to get rid of that stubble and that is why we started looking in those applications such as engineered boards for furniture and then packaging where we can give them decent margins so that it can work out for them using the grant money we the venture center has a lab they have given us all these facilities where we can tinker around and prototype so those facilities were available for us whatever we were thinking to create that into reality and try it out if this technology one of the first in the world or the only one where you have separated from uh, crop waste the lignin cellulose and the hemicellulose there are people in the, in the different research groups they have been able to demonstrate at pilot scale 
mm-hmm. of segregating these components using different technologies even my uh, professor at imperial they are also working on certain kind of solvents to segregate these components what we use is a different way however the applications are different for us the app- the end application is packaging which is the foremost application and what is unique technology that we are able to get rid of silica when we were also starting this projects especially for packaging we thought that why are people cutting trees when we can use this abundant waste india has around 500 million tons of uh, crop waste if we have to make paper let's use this crop waste india is also a timber deficit country we import huge quantities of uh, timber from outside timber is uh, banned in india other than some uh, government approved forestation and then one of the reason that i came across was that all these crop residues especially rice straw has silica and what it does is that it comes into the effluent during the pulping process and it damages the machine nobody wants to use this crop people have tried it in india for pulping application but they are like it, it does more damage than benefit using this material and we have been able to demonstrate at lab scale that silica doesn't come into our effluent process it retains in the pulp itself so using our rice straw pulp we can look into molded pulp applications especially where the silica in fact enhances the process it gives rigidity in the molded container so that's one of our usp and for our engineered board which is our second product in india we will be the first company to introduce formaldehyde free furniture made up of uh, agro waste engineered boards so, so far there is no company in india who has made this e0 engineered boards and formaldehyde formaldehyde it's a known cause carcinogen it can cause cancer in a lot of country it's, it's already bad but the regulations are yet to be changed in india and with that product we want to disrupt it being the first company particle boards is something which has not been demonstrated in the world yet so far again because at scale silica causes a problem and to counter that we are going into a decentralized approach micro units so that silica doesn't hamper the machinery as such so that will be also a concept which will be new in the world i would say to to get introduced there is one company in california which is making mdf board and they started their operations this year itself but with particle boards it has been a challenge so far if that happens you would be the first one with particle boards made out of rice straw yes and when you set out to develop this technology after your field visits how much time did it take for you to say to yourself okay this works so we have already uh, demonstrated the technology at lab scale for both our product lines and we already have our minimum viable products we are in fact already started working with certain clients on customer validation and we have also ordered machinery to set up the pilot unit so maybe once the lockdown gets lifted up i think we will be in a good position to get into the production with our pilot facilities so pulp and paper is already established for pulp and paper working along with a third party manufacturer to meet our client needs right now but oh. this year we are aiming to have our own in house uh, manufacturing all right all right so pulp and paper is at a very advanced stage then it is yeah we have been working with different uh, reputed clients already for their unique packaging need and uh, the second product is the particle boards yeah it is the uh, particle boards you can call it engineered boards because it's a, it's a composite basically and the engineered boards is a little away from seeing its light in the day no it's in fact uh, we plan to launch it next month <laughs> all right okay. i think we got some really great result we compared our properties with the best selling board in india 
and just to give a number there for our water absorption property we were seven times better than the best selling board in india for that we are planning to introduce it in, in uh, next month itself and when you say decentralized model this is for the paper side or this is for the engineered board side it is for both the sides actually okay uh, our uh, model for both of our products in crop waste is uh, on decentralized because first crop waste transportation is a huge issue and then crop waste availability throughout the year is also a very big issue so there are plants which have set up very large crop waste based factories but they don't have air the around availability so they run under capacity and then they have operational losses so i studied all of this during my immersions in the fellowship and that's why we focused on decentralized plants which we can set up in rural settings Mm-hmm. and empowering the rural economy also creating local employment in villages you you would provide the complete technology the lift of machinery which machinery which capacity everything would be provided by you to the person who setting up such unit yes we will provide the complete technology and we would also offer to buy the finished products from them and sell it in the market so that okay. their focus will only be in manufacturing Okay, so when do you think the first couple of decentralized units will kick off? For this engineered boards, I think uh, once we get our machinery, there is only one machinery which is left to make these boards. Once we get it delivered, I am not sure about the timeline because uh, the corona has uh, hampered our timeline like anything, and our manufacturers are also struggling because of that in sourcing the materials to fabricate those machineries. But say maybe in a month or two, depending on when things get stable. and for paper for paper we are already in the market through a third party manufacturer okay. so we we can already supply as per the need and in terms of patents is this a technology which you would be patenting or it's already patented so we have filed a complete patent specification already we have a technology on how we blend uh, these crops stubble particles and there is another patent that we are filing on on the pulping process side which is underway right now when you were in the process of developing this technology did you face moments give it up not really actually never no because and you know why because it's something when you have a lab and when you when you specially have your own lab i think that's one of the most you enjoy a lot actually. i personally enjoy a lot no matter whatever happens i think it's very exciting if there are our uh, challenges no so our team has a culture where we get excited when we have challenges we we never have this thought of giving up never because challenges means opportunities and on those opportunities we can file patents that's what our team believes in <laughs> and that's what we did with our blending technology also because initially when we were starting up we thought making those engineered boards is very easy but then we faced some challenges we spent a lot of time uh on the technology part and and on addressing those challenges and the outcome is that we filed a patent and that's how we look at it 500 million tons of crop waste in india you said do you think that in the next decade or so we will completely solve the issue of crop burning of crop waste burning yeah i think the awareness is is increasing a lot and there is a lot of pressure on the state governments also Uh, especially on punjab haryana the delhi government in fact the national green tribunal had banned crop burning but it's a very shocking thing last year during the farmers protest one of the demand by the protesting farmers was to get rid of that ban on stubble burning and the gov- gov- and the government agreed to it 
and that was very shocking about the whole political thing with farmers protests and I, i don't know how the crop burning thing came into the picture and that and their demand was also met because the government was under pressure but eventually the government has to ban the crop burning again and uh, a lot of things are happening in this area there are a lot of new people also coming up even the minister nitin gadkari is very active in this field where he is uh, putting a lot of emph- emphasis on uh, turning crop waste into bioethanol so i think with it's going to be a collective effort because 500 million ton is not a small quantity it's double the global plastic waste so uh, together in a collaborative way along with the participation of all the stakeholders be it the government innovators startups industry people and also environmentalists i think this problem can be tackled but just mathematically speaking for a moment if if you would have so many decentralized units across the country would you be able to just simply on the basis of that stop crop waste burning if i had all the money in the world then yes because then we can turn this problem into an opportunity and connect it to the economics then yes it can be possible and that's one thing that we are looking at especially in punjab hmm. after we demonstrate the success of our first plant i think that is what we will be pitching to the punjab government we have got some government grants central government grants to set up that decentralized unit mm-hmm. so the government stakeholders are also very keen on this and if this model can be scaled up like everyone will be happy also it will lead to the generation of lot of employment farmers will get secondary income and that's also the vision of the prime minister to reduce the dependency of the farmers on primary agriculture but also the the prime minister has said several times that there should be emphasis on secondary agricultural activities also so the farmers the market and the environment everyone will benefit by such model and in terms of cost of your final product and i'm let us say talk about the paper side for a moment now based on your understanding today is it competitive with what is available in the market today so we are cheaper as compared to uh, timber paper we called it we call it virgin pulp and why we are cheaper is fundamentally because it takes so much of energy and chemicals to turn that hard solid wood into pulp but if we take agricultural residues such as grasses like rice straw wheat straw which are very fragile it doesn't take much energy and chemicals to make pulp so in the process itself we are much more cheaper and and this is a waste that's another add on in in overall costing we are way cheaper as compared to the virgin pulp wow this this looks absolutely enthralling yeah i i only hope and pray these technologies help change the entire scenario and environment at least to start with in india the model is something that also motivates us when yeah. we see at the environment and the social impact yeah. and we are very eager to have our first decentralized uh, plant up and running so that we can start making an impact and also replicate and scale up the model elsewhere absolutely i think uh, you will have a lot of good people in the country inspired by this and wanting to join you in your journey of creating this decentralized models yeah I I hope so as I said it it will need uh, the collective effort from the community yeah. in order to work towards this problem Shubham you at this age have worked with a lot of people first through gramiksha there's lot of exposure to students volunteers and then going into the fields for the crop waste problem you have worked with a lot of people you have seen an enormous amount of people and talked with them what is it in people that you like and you dislike 
so i think uh, <laughs> being an introvert i've networked a lot now <laughs> and uh, there is always something to learn from people every person has some some input for you some takeaways for you good or bad if it is good it will make you feel good if it is bad it will make you think where you will where you would want to improve on and i think that's one of the major learning in networkings i can't think much of disliking but sometimes like i can talk about in networkings i think something that i find that i still find it difficult thing is socializing in networking events that, that is very difficult and then i also realize that a lot of people also when they come to these socializing events and networking uh, they also feel the same <laughs> so i felt the same kind of vibes during these networking events but when it is more one to one i think that's then it's very productive and i have also met a lot of people especially in the government side <laughs> where uh, a lot of people are not interested in doing something and trying something new and i wouldn't say if i if i dislike it but i think that's the way some people are i guess they are used to a certain way of living i have heard certain people uh, when i approach them they say that we especially with the government folks that there is no desire there is no passion and that sometimes uh, upsets me but uh, on the other side i found a lot of government people also are very active and supportive so it's a uh, it will always be a mixed kind of experience when we talk about people it depend people to people so maybe that's a tiny bit of uh, thing that 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 upsets me sometimes that especially the people who are uh, older to us and at a position they can do much more to support the innovators and startups who have been some of the people or what have been some of the incidents shubham which have deeply impacted you talking about people i think i have we, we are uh, as a class team we have been very very fortunate uh, to have uh, a lot of good mentors extremely supportive mentors i would say and when we were starting up the ecosystem and the support from venture center was highly uh, beneficial and so dr premnath he is the director of venture center and so that's the community of a lot of entrepreneurs i would also like to invite you after the pandemic gets over to come and visit the place and see what kind of different work entrepreneurs are doing dr premnath has been one of the most one of the very first mentors in at crash to help us at at every point of our journey because he came before crash i would say and even now and then you know like whatever problems i have i discuss it with him and he's one of the very helpful mentors so far and that's also with a lot of entrepreneurs who are at uh, venture center who have got really great support there are so many other mentors who help us technically we have dr vadgamkar and dr snehilata who are our technical mentors dr preeti lal from and she is a government scientist so a lot of government mentors are also supporting us then we have a lot of business mentors through techstars it's, a, it's an accelerator that we attended who help us at uh, the business side of the front be it in branding be it in business development i also have a mentor through texas who is my entrepreneurial coach libby and so she whenever there are like ups and downs as an entrepreneur so she guides me on the life front also based on her experience as an entrepreneur so that also helps me a lot so we have very mixed set of mentors for all all the areas where we need help which has been beneficial for us i am going to talk to you about two axioms yeah and these are something which have been put forward by a gentleman by the name of James Austin and this is in his book which he had written on creativity okay and the first axiom he says is that most novel discoveries tend to occur 
when the life path of one particular person happens to intersect the trajectories of several varieties of chance how does this apply to you as i was saying there are a lot of people who have helped us in our journey who have uh, come from nowhere to help us out there are a lot of opportunities we got like this and i think it's you have to do your hard work by the end of the day but those trajectories of other people also influences your journeys for sure and we have had so many instances throughout uh, through the craft journey where like for example when i applied for the fellowship it was not because i knew the fellowship in the very first beginning i it happened by chance i came to know about it through my uh, faculty member when i came to india she said why don't you apply for this program so it happened by chance a lot of these things it happened by chance and as i was saying that when you do something out of passion when your body and mind are aligned things happen and things fall into place it's there is a book which i would want to quote uh, the secret by ronda and she talks about that whatever you want to do in your life if you have passion the universe helps you and that's the secret and that, this secret has also worked for me so the universe keep on sending i would say angels to help us out now and then the second simple minded axiom follows from the first the more diversity among these individual varieties of chance the more unique is the creative product when their lines intersect wow <laughs> <laughs> i think that's perfect yeah i think that's uh, very true because when all these creative people they meet at a juncture something creative uh, or something beautiful comes out for sure and i think the same has been the case with the craft team when all the people in our team members coming from different diverse background having different experiences but having the same vision to do something for the society and creating something green creating something greener materials and i think when all of us when we met, when we met and when they joined our team also something beautiful is coming out for sure <laughs> let me share a couple of more nuggets from here and this was something which he had written in april of 1977 hmm? mm-hmm. he says that my thesis is that novelty in research is like that in any endeavor it springs from the dynamic interplay among several ingredients personal lifestyle people luck intuition and system and he says i will emphasize the strength the creative process gains through its depth and its diversity rather than an attempt to codify it hmm so why i'm sharing this with you is because i saw a lot of this reflecting in your journey yeah i think i was about to ask if that person is an entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> who wrote this as of today shubham in terms of impact from craft are there any specific success stories which you can talk about yeah maybe i can talk about one such story it's with uh, one of our it's a very early, it's at a very early stage but it's 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 with a client abn bev we have been able to demonstrate a trial of 100 kg of crop paste and technically that that has been a success point for us because at lab scale when we work around with materials it's around uh, 100 to 200 gram of samples so scaling that technology from 100 gram to 100 kg was an achievement for us and uh, that was also a very unique challenge for us because we were creating the beer boxes for the company and we helped their farmers so the so the model was that they make uh, beer out of barley and what is left on barley farm is something that we can utilize for the beer packaging a uh, demonstrating circular economy 
so we help their farmers by buying that raw material uh, in the very first place and then uh, technically we were able to solve some of the unique challenges because our paper should be something which could be stored in the refrigerator for a long time and and we were able to demonstrate that so hopefully when we launch the final product into the market that time i think the entire uh, success story will be completed <laughs> but uh, so this is something very initial from from that case study fantastic good shubham is there something which you think should be added to this podcast i think we have covered uh, everything in a very nice way thinking out my childhood to my college to gramiksha to crust everything i think you have covered in a very beautiful way and thank you for covering both the organizations i would say we have been able to talk about the gramiksha vision we have been able to talk about the crust vision and i think that has been also very unique in the podcast because usually uh, things get very centered around crust but i think you have covered everything overall very nicely so yeah i think thanks thanks for that well, thank you shubham may you live up to your name shubham <laughs> <laughs> and then wishing you wishing you a lot of happiness success and a lot of problem solving in the time to come thank you so much thank you for being the guest today